My name is David Hershkovitz. I'm the founder of Paper Magazine, and this is Light Culture. Listen, learn, and stay ahead of the curve as I knock heads with cultural disruptors of the past, present, and future. Light Culture is brought to you by Burb, the Vancouver-based cannabis brand. The biggest story this week is America's coming out party. The much-discussed new normal is here, and we like it, with some reservations, of course. What's not to like about being alive and back to socializing in bars and restaurants? The clubs are back, too. A recent event at a Lower East Side restaurant spilled outdoors and turned into an impromptu street bash for hundreds of party people. And if you're wondering, the police never made an appearance. Outdoor shacks hastily built during the pandemic seem permanent now and filled with cuisine-loving New Yorkers picking up their foodie ways as if nothing happened. Thousands showed up in Tompkins Square Park for a day of hardcore bands. But it's said that change is good, and the change brought about by corona protocols did recalibrate a lot of us. A musician friend who spends the good part of each year touring the world says, and a lot of his friends agree, that he is not inclined to get back on the hectic festival circuit rushing to make connecting flights from one airport to another. He's off the treadmill and not sure he wants to get back on it. City workers are being forced back into the office and they're not sure they want to go either. Seems like it's hard to get people to go back to work again. Driving in upstate New York, I saw help wanted signs for carpenters and drivers posted on the side of the road. Guess they're also enjoying the new normal. Sure, the pandemic sucked, but it did force us to change our habits. They say boredom is good for kids because it gets them to investigate new ways to entertain themselves. Same for the adults in the room. Crowds are back, filling up stadiums, which is great for business, but not so much for the fans used to the good old days when they could stretch out and enjoy the game without having to get up every few minutes to let someone squeeze by. Traffic jams are also back, and who likes that? Lines of cars in Soho back up for blocks, inching their way to New Jersey. So here we are living the new normal and hoping we can use our social justice and personal learnings to reinvent the future. Nothing to it but to do it. Now on to our podcast with Eunice Chang. In her popular YouTube and Instagram videos, Eunice Chang introduces herself as a professional skateboarder from the Los Angeles area. Characteristically humble, Eunice is, of course, much more than that. She's also an authentic voice of a sport that continues to flex, striving and advocating for a multicultural society, staying true to its outsider roots even as the sport grows in popularity and enters the big time with its upcoming appearance at the Tokyo Olympics. Like a lot of skateboarders, especially a female one who struggles to make a living doing what she loves, Eunice has had to go outside the skate park to make her mark, using her infectious personality and natural-born creativity to spread the word via her lighthearted and infectious videos. Her good humor and skating professionalism makes you wish you were one of her friends, too. 
While the corporate world tends to look at girls as skateboarding second-class citizens, their fan base is growing exponentially, making Eunice one of the world's hot new commodities. Welcome, Eunice Chang. Oh my gosh, what? <laughs> that was the sweetest intro ever. I want to cry. <laughs> oh, see, you're, you're proving my oh, point by, by saying that. So, well, let's talk about the commodity first. It seems like there's, <laughs> you know, there's always a lag between what's happening in the streets and what's being talked about and looked at in the boardrooms and executive suites that make the big money decisions. We know that there's something happening here that's making a huge impact in people's lives and deserves a lot more attention than it's getting, but seems to be a lag from, from the corporate world as far as recognizing that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Skating's been real popular lately, <laughs> and I think everybody's trying to get a piece of it. There's been a lot of new movies coming out. There's new TV shows, and I've been doing focus groups for like brands also on the side. So what do they yeah. want to know? How they can be cool and authentic in the skateboarding scene and <laughs> how they can market. And, <laughs> and you tell them, give me money. That's yeah. how. <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll help you. Uh, that's, I yeah. mean, isn't that really one of the ways they're able to achieve that? It's what it is, but it's mm. it's also true that other people look up to you, other girls, particularly, and even if they don't skate, mm -hmm. people just like your voice and your attitude and everything in those videos. Do you feel comfortable in that role? Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Like, my audience is super nice and like, <laughs> it's really encouraging. Oh, also, just to preface, I'm not really a professional skateboarder. Are you, don't you introduce yourself as one? I do, but it's like a parody of. Oh, I um, see. <laughs> yeah, it's a parody off of um, skateboarding how-to videos. Oh, fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. What do you mean you're not a professional? Does that mean you don't get paid to skate? I don't know. So, I feel like professional is like you're you have your name on a board. You're contractually signed to a company and like paid to skate. But I I just skate for fun. I skate with a crew right now with Warble. Yeah. And working on like a little video part with them. So that's not enough to make you professional. What is going to be that <laughs> thing that you need? You need your own board or what? S yeah. Sneaker? I'd say so. Like your name on a board and paid to skate. Is, to make appearances? Like pro, you mean? pro level, yeah. But not competition. You're not particularly into that style of skating. Uh, me personally, no. But there's a lot of pro skaters that don't do contests either. But your style of skating, you're a very smooth skater in, you know, because I watch skate videos, oh, yeah. believe it or not. And, you. Uh, you know, you have like a real smooth style, which is not easy to achieve in skateboarding because it requires so many awkward, you know, making oh, so many yeah. awkward moves and doing these weird things. Oh, thank you. Did that come easily for you? I've been skating for a long time. I started when I was like 13 or 14. And so I've always been like really comfortable cruising on a board. I stopped for a long time in high school and college and then picked it back up again. Once Instagram and social media started becoming really popular and I started seeing more and more girls skate, that's like what got me back into it. So I've been able to like ride a board for a long time. That's like how I 
have like developed my style over that time. Before you were doing tricks, you mean you didn't start out doing tricks. You started out mm. just cruising. Did you yeah. have a long board or what kind of board did you use? No, I always had a short board. I could cruise around at Ollie and then do like basic tricks. I started skating transition a lot. And I feel like when you start, when you skate transition, that's how you get really comfortable on the board. And then you can start developing your own style and like steezing out tricks and stuff. People look up to you today. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stereotype you, but it's, it, but oh, it's no, mostly it, girls, right? That are It is, be, yeah. And so what is kind of a relationship do you have with them? Are they younger, looking for advice or inspiration? What is it like? Oh, yeah. I get a lot of nice comments from younger girls and especially Asian women also. They'll say, like, thank you for skateboarding and I look up to you and stuff like that. It's just funny for me to be on the other side where I'm just like, so normal? I don't know. <laughs> I like I have a day job and then I just love to skate. And so for someone to reach out and say that they look up to me and like identify with me also is a huge deal. And I it's like really. I don't know, I feel like honored. I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> it's uh, being Asian-American, particularly unique to, to break out into a skateboarding world. We know from mm -hmm. the movies, the families tend to be very traditional. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And looking for a certain kind of academic success. What was the kind of reaction when your family started to see you going off in this direction? Yeah, that was totally my case. And uh, <laughs> like growing up, my parents were super like, just go to school. They did not like me skateboarding at all. I had to buy my own boards, buy my own trucks, wheels, all that stuff. And I'd come home with like bruises and scars and my dad would just <laughs> just shake his head like, you got to stop skating, kid. But I, I just couldn't, I don't know, I was just always just so drawn to it. I did a lot of activities growing up. We had tennis lessons and I'd do golf or like swimming and stuff like that or like art. But skating was the one thing that I always stuck with. And yeah, I didn't see a lot of... Like when I, I, so I don't know if this sounds weird, but every time I go to the skate park, I count how many other Asian people there are. And then I count how many other girls there are. And so I don't know, like being, if you're an Asian and a skater, I definitely just like connect with you on like a different kind of level. Cause, oh, we probably did have like a similar childhood growing up, not to like stereotype or anything, but when you see someone that looks like you doing something that you like, it makes it more possible or like real. I don't know. I just like connect with it. And uh, yeah, the hundred percent. You can imagine people are alone and having dreams and they don't know that anybody else has a similar dreams and for sure yeah. you think you're the only one right yeah oh so the movie lords of dogtown i was in middle school when i saw that and the woman that plays peggy Oki, i saw that movie and oh the nuge was in it too and i was like oh this girl is asian and she's shredding this pool if she can do it then i can do it that was one of the things that really inspired me to start skating also. Yeah, incredible. And I'm sure there are others as well. Yeah. So when you said you started and then you stopped and started, did you 
just skating by yourself at first? How did this, the socialization part of it start? Did you have a crew or just a group of friends or a skate park? Oh, yeah. It started out as just regular neighborhood kid stuff. Like everyone, it was a summer between middle school and high school. I just moved into a new town, just wanted to be outside. And so all the kids had bikes and like scooters. I grew up in SoCal, so <laughs> regular neighborhood kid stuff. Back then it wasn't like so serious, you know, like it wasn't <laughs> skateboarding is my life. It started out just real casual. I wasn't thinking of myself as a woman in skateboarding. I was just vibing. Having fun. Yeah, just having fun. Now it is getting a little more serious, but I don't know. I'm still having fun. <laughs> well, you mentioned you have a side job. Oh, yeah. A real job. So you, you work full time, a web developer or in a tech? Yeah. So I work for a media company. I did start out as a web developer and I was doing front end development. And I did that for maybe like three or four years building websites. And eventually it just became like too it became so time consuming. My coworkers would like code all day during the day and then go home and code their side projects. They loved to code and I liked it, but I realized like, oh, I really just want to skate. <laughs> you had your head out the window half the yeah, time. Like, for sure. Hey. <laughs> and so I don't code anymore. I do like account management for this media company now and check in on emails make sure brands don't hate us and stuff. And <laughs> working from home now has been so sick because I can do my emails and then take a lunch break and then come back and go skate during the day, catch like a quick session. So and then how's that going to change? What's your future look like with regard to that? Um, I would love to stay remote forever. <laughs> you think that's possible or? Yeah, I think so. We've proven that like working from home is still effective. I'm equally as unproductive at home as I am in the office. There you go. <laughs> so. Good recommendation. <laughs> Tell the boss he's watching. <laughs> I'm doing work. I'm doing work. And then you stopped. And so what made you get into it again? I did. I stopped in high school and mostly college, but it was mostly Instagram and YouTube that got me back into it because I started seeing other girls skating and I was like, whoa, these girls are like shredding because back then when I started, I only knew of like Lacey Baker and Vanessa Torres. There was only like two or three other girls that I really knew were skating. And then fast forward, Instagram started popping off and it was just way more inspiring to see other girls skating. I just connect with that way more. Like dudes, I'll watch a dude's video part they could be doing the craziest stuff and like the craziest, most technical tricks. And like, it's cool. But if I see a girl landing, maybe it's not the craziest skating or the most technical, but I feel like it's way more in my realm of possibility. And that's what gets me motivated to go skate or try that trick that she tried. Yeah, it's interesting because right now having the NCAA basketball championships are on, I don't know if you're mm -hmm. into that at all. There's the girls, NCAA, and there's the boys. And mm -hmm. there was a little bit of a beef among the girls originally because 
They hadn't been treated equally as the boys with regard to the facilities and mm. training and weight room and because they had to create this whole uh, special space due to COVID to, you know, in order to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. So by way of background, just apropos to what you were saying. So yesterday, for example, last night I was watching the boys and the girls sort of going back and forth to the girls. And the mm-hmm. boys obviously just have more physical strength. They're taller. And the girls have mm-hmm. their own set of skills. I wound up watching the girls because somehow that was more exciting. Yeah. The game was better. And even though they weren't going to dunk, for mm-hmm. the but everything else, it was just a much more interesting game to watch. And, you know, sort of come to appreciate the abilities of Um, these women out there as well. Damn, I love that. Do you think skateboarding in the Olympics is a good idea for the sport? Some people think it's a commercialization and, you you know, you started talking about women in sport, how Mm -hmm. these things have become commodified in the way that I described in the beginning. Yeah, I think it's great, personally. I definitely see the perspective of why people aren't so into it. But I mean, it's creating opportunities. If my friend was going to go skate in the Olympics, I'd be so hyped for them. You know, like they're going to represent our country. They're going to be highlighted in a way that they should be. Skaters are athletes. The professionalization of the sport, I guess, will create mm-hmm. two, two kinds of types, right? Because right. some of these people who have no real connection to the culture or the history right. or the idea of where this comes from and what it represents and just see it as a sport and start at a young age pursuing the tricks mm-hmm. and the jumps and all the things that they have to do. Yeah. I think what it is is that the more mainstream skateboarding becomes, I think the people that really love it, there's a fear of diluting skate culture. Like it's going to lose its authenticity that way. But I feel like there's... There's room for different lanes, you know, like the core skaters, the real authentic ones are always going to stay core and they'll always have their lane and like, you know, like Thrasher, they're like the skate Bible. They're the gatekeepers of the culture almost. And they're always going to be there. The Olympics and commercialization isn't going to take away from that because I think they'll always be there, if that makes sense. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I understand. That's a good point. I think there's room for everyone. Yeah. You were speaking about how social media introduced you to these other women who were out there skating and inspired you to possibly do the same. And since then, looking at your Instagram page with your friends and people that you engage with, that mm-hmm. you've become friends to some of these high-profile women skaters as well. I'm thinking of Brianna King, who oh, yeah. was on my show as well, and a skate Morse, Victoria Taylor. Do you know these people? Have you all met and have a relationship beyond this Instagram? Oh, yeah, for sure. We're all friends in real life. Victoria lives like down the street from me. We hang out and yeah, (laughs) like social media, there's a lot of bad things about it, but I feel like I've benefited more from social media and being able to link up with people and connecting with people like Victoria and Brianna has been like really cool. For the women, based on who, what I, who people I've spoken to, it's especially important because there's always been an issue of going to the skate park and being the only girl, or it's not all peace and love at, at the skate park all oh, the time yeah. for everybody, you know? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. 
for them, they've always said that that was a way they knew they could connect with other girls. They could all meet there. They could do the meetups or just have a presence. So it's not just like, oh, I'm the only girl here trying to skate. This is not fun. Yeah, absolutely. I respect Brianna so much for that because she like started that whole thing, creating a safe space for, you know, not dudes <laughs> to come together and skate and feel comfortable. It's so important for the culture. And like a lot of guys were upset about it. Like, oh, you like, why aren't we invited to like the skate session stuff? No, it's, it's really important that there's a safe space for women and queer people to just be able to vibe and not feel pressure. You go to the skate park and it can be so vibey where you just feel like you're in the way like guys will snake you. It's not a very uh, encouraging environment to learn. I still feel like that too. Like, oh, I'm at the skate park, but I don't want to like try something different because then I'll be like taking up space or like, I just want to do the tricks that I know I can land. So I'm not in the way, which hinders your progression. Brianna did a really cool thing by making those meetups. So you're still learning new tricks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's fun to skate. You've already nailed a bunch of tricks. You don't expect to be a professional or world-class skater in a way that the top skaters are today, I feel, mm -hmm. but what you've been saying. But yet you still feel like you need to learn new tricks. And so is that just part of what it means to be a skater, that you're never done? I don't know why my brain is like that. <laughs> There's really... Yeah, skateboarding just like is pretty fried. You're rolling around on a piece of wood with wheels and just trying to <laughs> land these tricks. But I just feel it in my soul. Like I have to, like when I get inspired to do something, I want to try front tails. I really want to land a tray flip. Like I have these list of things that I want to do. There's an infinite level of progression. I don't think there's one person that's landed every single trick in the world. Maybe like, maybe Andy Anderson, actually, <laughs> he's pretty <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the whole process. There's no real end goal. As long as I'm progressing, even just a little bit, I just try to do something new every session. If I go to a new park, I'll try to do something new on an obstacle or learn a new flat ground trick. There's just like infinite possibilities. You know? and, well, one of the things that I've seen on, on your sites, on your pages on your feed is that you also committed to make a new video every week was it or every day <laughs> every day <laughs> I tried to I tried the YouTube thing it's so hard to make content I get these ideas and I feel inspired and then it's just editing YouTube videos is so time consuming and I think I was a little too ambitious about a video a week, but maybe a week a month. I was getting a lot of good feedback on it, and I know people like them, so <laughs> I should probably. Yeah, no, I think they're great, really. And they're very special because of this casual man on the street feeling, but the man, woman, or whatever on the street is really in the skate park, usually. You could ask some pretty serious questions, but it gets some fun answers. It's very revealing. And it also paints a picture of what it's like to be in this community. 
mm-hmm. and feeling of, of camaraderie that I think people are looking for and it's hard to find. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like skateboarding is like 90% not skateboarding either. It's like <laughs> also about like community and friends and having a support group. So if I can like make content that does like help bring everyone together, it's, it's cool. Well, it does, but of course it's, it's like a utopia, right? You don't get the ugly scenes. You're not catching the fights on camera or mm. whatever else. <laughs> people bitching about something or another. It has a real positive vibe to it. And cool. by seeing the variety of people, it makes it look like a world that I would like to be a part of. Everybody's having fun and they're all a bunch of cool kids. So, Oh, thank you so much. People react to that. So, yeah, I would encourage you to keep doing that. Oh, thank you. And then you, you know, but you also... (laughs) I will. (laughs) You will, you will, you will. Content creation as a business model, it's not a bad thing to be good at. And as you said, skating is getting a lot more attention in the media world. And, you know, a segment, we could I could see a segment of you, you know, reporting on the skate (laughs) skate news. That'd be a dream come true. That'd be really cool. Listen, Mm -hmm. I would hire you right away. (laughs) Thank you, David. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the subjects you you talked about in one of your videos was self-esteem, which is like a serious subject, isn't it? What made you talk about that? Oh, for sure. I feel like skaters are so, like, we're so in our own box. We just just want to skate and just be skaters. But there's life things outside of skateboarding that matter too, you know? Like, if skateboarding is your only pillar of self-esteem you're gonna have a hard time (laughs) when I was transitioning from being a skate rat every single day I remember like making the decision like okay I could pursue skateboarding as a career or I could like have a normal job and like do that and that transition from like skate rat to full-time worker was the most depressing like (laughs) hardest transition I've had so far I'm glad I did it because I feel like just a more well-rounded person overall. And I feel kind of like an older sister, like older cousin kind of role. Now that I'm older, I'm like 27. And so I guess just being able to give a little perspective. Everything is about skating, but not everything. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. So, right. Well, I was, yeah. I, I was just thinking about your decision at that time. What brought you to the crossroads that you had to make that decision between skater, rat, yeah. and, <laughs> and, and, the, and the real world? Between <laughs> skate, rat, and real world? I guess just like thinking about it long term, the skate industry has had a history of not really taking care of skaters. They don't really have health insurance. There's just been like so many times where you have a sponsor and then you get hurt, you like break your ankle or something and then your sponsor drops you. That sucks. Like I definitely don't want to be in that kind of position. So I just decided that I'd self-sponsor myself, Mm -hmm. have a job. And if I can keep skating, that's the ultimate goal. That's why I work my job. And yeah, well, it's too bad because you can be great and not be sponsored and not, you don't need a team to enjoy the sport at the optimum level. It's just as good as you can make it 
for yourself. But at the same time, that does create problems. Like you were saying, insurance, is there any union or organization that represents people who are not pros in the sense of what that might require? I don't know, some sort of level of participation and various events or sponsorships. I don't know. But it seems like that would be something that would be necessary. Mm-hmm. Damn, not that I know of. I don't know of any like union or anything that like protects skaters, but yeah, I feel like that would actually progress the industry in like a positive way for sure. So, who did you look up? Because girls, you know, look to you now for inspiration. You've even identified yourself as an older person who can have perspective on what's going on with the younger kids. So, they look up to you, but who did you look up to? For inspiration when you were growing up. Not just skaters, but it could be anything. Music, art, film. Oh, my inspirations. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I mean, I was really influenced by Jackass and like Bam Margera. (laughs) (laughs) That's another reason why I got into (laughs) skating. Okay. Yeah, like Alyssa Steamer for sure. Uh, Tell us about her. Oh, she was on Toy Machine. She was one of the first pro female skaters. And like, oh, Marissa Del Santo also. Like, she was just way ahead of her time. Like, her part, she skated for zero. Just like super gnarly. I feel like I'm blanking on so many names. Yeah, my favorite, Yeah, My favorite skater right now, who I am absolutely obsessed with, is Alexis Sablone. Her style and her trick selection and her as a human being, she's so cool and interesting. She's also had a crazy non-linear skateboarding career. She went to the X Games. She went to MIT. She's got a degree in architecture. That's so insane. She animates and she's still coming out with skate parts. And she's a little bit older too, like 34. And so, I don't know if it's like weird to bring up age, but I'm 27 and like... (laughs) That's not weird at all. (laughs) I feel like sometimes I'll wake up and like my back hurts or like my ankles aren't working right. And I'm like, this is it. I'm done skating forever. (laughs) And I see Alexis Sablone killing it. She came out with her best part like she's ever had. And I'm just like, damn, I got to start like eating fruit and like being healthy and stuff. But you don't see the misses. That's always a problem, you know. Oh, true. Yeah. Because that's, you know, the bruises that go along with getting to there, right? Mm -hmm. Did you ever hurt yourself seriously? I've like hit my head a few times. That's the worst. I hate like seeing anyone hit their head. That's the worst for me. Yeah, that's a scary one. I've torn like ligaments in both my ankles, but I've never broken anything, knock on wood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's major in this this profession, isn't it? For sure, yeah. I need those feet. I also saw that you said you always wanted to move to New York. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I think this... What's What's up in New York that you think is so good? Oh, man. Everything. The culture, the people, the diversity. Really? Like, all the spots. <laughs> yeah, I love New York. <laughs> where, where have I been? No, I'm oh. just joking. But I'm in New <laughs> York, too. You've been here, no doubt. And so what do you do when you come to New York? What do you like to do? 
I like to party and skate. (laughs) (laughs) I just have so many friends there and just seeing all the spots that I've seen on on the internet and like, I I just like the vibe there. It's so cool. And like, everything's new. I mean, I love LA. I love like, like this LA is like home base. I'll always have my friends and family here, but like, I've never lived anywhere else. And so New York is the only other place that I'd really love to hang out. (laughs) So what's stopping you? I mean, I have a lease here at my apartment. It ends in June of this year. And I think, yeah, it's time to, it's now or never for me, you know, like. Okay. Yeah. Well, New York needs good people to come here. (laughs) There's a lot of churning because of the COVID year and people moving home or different, whatever, you know, making changes in their lives. So the good news is there are a lot of apartments. <laughs> they're, oh, for they're, sure. <laughs> they're, they're all being discounted. So, you know, if anybody wants to move to New York, probably this is a nice opportunity. There are other benefits, too. There's fewer people. There's fewer tourists. So mm-hmm. it's, it's much more real and authentic and what New York is without the tourists. Yeah. I know you said your favorite part of skating is partying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... New York is, uh, you know, capable of handling that side too, so. Also, I feel like I need to get more tough. Like, I'm kind of soft. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. But New York will uh, put some well, hair on my back. Or it can't do that. <laughs> can't do that. Can't do that. It's, it can be a very lonely uh, city. Oh. So, But it's good that you already have a scene and mm-hmm. connected, so. Well, thank you very much, Eunice, for being my guest today. Oh, thank you. This Light was so Culture fun. Podcast. This was fun. I did see the podcast or that you did with those kids, the middle school kids, those two girls about oh, music. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that was so cute. They were so, <laughs> they were so <laughs> sweet. <laughs> that was my first podcast ever also. Oh, and they were, I was like, I can't say no. These guys are too sweet. Well, thank you thank for you. joining mine and look forward to seeing you shredding in, in New York City, Tompkins Square, which is right Oh, yeah. I'll see you at Outside Tompkins. my window. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. Thank you, David. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Light Culture. You can find us at shopburb.com, Light Culture, or at Light Culture Podcast. Thanks again to Burb. You can follow them at ShopBurb on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to and review the show. If you would like to get in touch, reach out to me directly at David Reporting. Thanks for listening.